Hello, 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 and welcome to week eight of the 52-week film project. Jake, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I'm still kind of in disbelief that we've we've lasted this long, to be honest. I know, we're <laughs> at week eight and we're still going. We're almost at, it's what's eight, eight divided by 52? Or 52 divided by eight? Oh, mate, don't do this to us. <laughs> don't do this to us. <laughs> yeah, I know. Neither got, of us are math students yeah. and we don't have the time to figure We've still got out. a long way to go. Both have a glass the best of wine time. in hand, so that's exactly. not going to work. Exactly, all, all be fine. Um, but regardless... We kept going. We haven't missed a week yet. No. By hook or by crook, we've got this bad boy out. By hook or by... What does by hook or by mate, crook I mean? No <laughs> red, red wine, mate. It's speaking. It's indeed, speaking. Indeed, indeed. Um, so this week, we are going to be reviewing Incredibles 2. Whoa. Yeah. We've only been waiting like 15 fucking years for it. Whoa. Do you know why it's been so delayed? Why? why? Well, this is theory. Go but on. I bet... Go on. Do tell me, William. World Cup. They were... Disney and Pixar were mm. worried that it would take away. Because if you think about... if. Oh, if, oh, right. You mean delayed in this year? Delayed in this year. Right. That's why it's a month later. I, I thought you were referring release. to why it's been delayed for like 14 fucking years. Oh, no, 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 no. no yeah, it's, it's not. They weren't waiting for this World Cup to push it out. But no. Yeah, so that's. I think that's the reason why the independence theorized on it, Radio Times has theorized on it. Okay. But then in terms of like why it's taken 14 years, I know that Brad Bird, the screenwriter and director, and director. who's the guy who did like The Iron Giant, he's done. What else has he done? He did There's another really big thing. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol was his first yeah, live yeah, action. Live action film. And yeah. then he did, um, oh, what's that film? Oh, Tomorrowland with George Clooney. Oh, that was Laurie. crap. Yeah, it was not that great. was really bad. It, it looked wonderful from the trailers. That Tomorrowland film looked so beautiful and it was like it was going to be so exciting. I just remember sitting in the cinema and thinking, nothing's really happening. No, no I, it wasn't, I thought it the wasn't same. particularly impressive. But you know who, who the, direct, the director plays a character in the film as well? Which film? Tomorrowland? No, Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2. Okay. He plays Edna Mode. Is he the voice of Edna Mode? He's the, the, the director. Edna, can you do your best impression of Edna Mode? Edna Mode. I can't do it. Edna Mode. <laughs> that's good. That's good. All you need is Hello, a Hello, darling. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I don't know. I can't place the accent, but it, it's... No, mate, I don't think anyone can. I don't think it's like... I don't think, <laughs> yeah. It, has it got a nationality behind it? Who knows? But no, I, I thought you were going to be referring to how it's been 14 years for this bloody film to come out. Yeah. And I kind of know... A little bit behind it. I know the fact that Brad Bird, for years and years, he was trying not to be a sellout and he was trying to be like, you know, I'm only going to bring out a sequel to The Incredibles if I find that if I write a script that I think is worthy of it. I don't know if that's really a kind of a glossy cover for being a bit shit in getting another one out or not. Um, I definitely feel like it could have happened like 10, 11, 12 years ago, even with a three or four year gap. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I think we're both going to agree on this review that it's a, it's a great film. Yep, it's I really agree. enjoyable. It's got a nice bit of nostalgia in it. But it is a bit tired. And I think that maybe if they carried on hurtling ahead when the steam was kind of still chugging along on the train, like a decade ago, maybe it would have been a bit better. And maybe it would have led to a few other more successful outings as well. I can understand it. that. Yeah. Um, there um, is an, one thing that also complicates it is that Brad, the director is an executive, senior executive as at Disney. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. So he is... And also, Disney is now with... The, how does it work, the whole Disney-Pixar thing? Uh, uh, the face I just we pulled... We should have looked this up. We should have yeah. looked this up. No, because I know that Disney-Pixar is now a thing that's putting out production. Yes. It's not just one or the other. Um, I don't. I'm, I would assume that it's probably Disney-bought Pixar, but gives them a lot of creative freedom. Yeah, I, I think that really, would be... You know, which seems to be what they do with everything except <coughs> Star Wars. <coughs> Star Wars. Kathleen Kennedy fucking ruined it. Um, oh, that... But anyway, before we get too deep into The Incredibles 2, um, let's start off with our film and TV news segment. Since film we had... news of the week. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> film news of the week. That's the red one. It's the red one speaking. <laughs> Considering we had so much fun with this last week, and I think uh, some people that tuned in for, you know, it's a really nice thing to add at the beginning we uh, some people that i spoke to that listened to last week's episode kind of picked up on the fact that we were talking about some tv and film news that maybe wasn't just really obvious headlines that people wouldn't have seen so i think we're going to carry on a similar path to that this week um what's your first bit of film news mate my first bit of film news is that just this week there's been a Zombieland 2 um, sequel planned for a while. It's been yeah, it's up. been in the works for a long time. Yeah, um, and they have finally released this week that the original cast is all coming back. So Jesse Eisenberg, really? Emma Stone, Woody, Woody Harrison. Harrison, Woody Harrison, and Abigail Breslin. Okay. All four of them are back. I I wonder whether it will land as much as the original. I feel like that. I feel Woody Harrelson for me has only gone from strength to strength. Oh he, yeah, he was wicked in Solo, even if people have kind of 
difficulties with the film as a whole. And he was also like absolutely show stealing in free billboards. Yeah, he was incredible. He was absolutely insane. Did you see him in um, True Detective first season yeah, as well? Yeah, man. Absolutely he, he's amazing. such an incredible yeah, actor. He, he, he's, kind of, he's kind of had the same sort of renaissance period in his acting career that Matthew McConaughey's had, except he's not been really smug and shitty about it. He's kind of just kind of taken it all and been quietly proud of himself and just carries on doing good projects, not really being much of a sellout, which I feel like McConaughey has been in the last two or three years. I feel like McConaughey's peak was kind of when he was doing like Dallas Buyers Club and Interstellar, which was like 2015. Yeah. 2014, 2015. 2014, 2015. And since then, he's done a bunch of big, expensive films that just haven't really been very popular. Yeah. So I think he's not been as fussy with his roles, whereas Harrelson has. I think also Matthew McConaughey is now doing this sort of, this Southern... Like it's it's almost like a, a mock of the southern accent, whereas Woody Harrelson keeps on challenging himself with different parts and different roles. Whereas yeah, Matthew yeah, McConaughey's yeah. been cast as he's southern and he gets a drool, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, completely. And he's become a bit typecast because of it. Yep. Um, uh, what's your first bit of film news, Jake? My first bit of film news, mate. It's uh, some TV news, actually. <laughs> um, film and TV news. For people, for the Netflix generation out there, um, the first images of Olivia Coleman as Queen Elizabeth in the series The Crown have been released. Um, for those of you who have watched The Crown, the first two seasons starred Claire Foy in the early formative years of Queen Elizabeth alongside, um, I've got, his name's escaping Matt me, Smith. Matt Smith, the ex-Doctor Who yep. as Prince Philip. Yep. Um, there's I my, always get... There's it's my the, really slow royalty knowledge for you. Yep. Um, but no, so Olivia Coleman is bloody amazing. She's the star of Broadchurch and The Night Manager. She's done... She did a really good thing uh, called Mr. Sloan that was on BBC that was really, really quiet. And it was the guy... Um, what's the name of the guy who's with... Uh, Nick Frost. Yep. The guy who collaborates with Sean, uh, Simon Pegg a lot. You know, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz or whatever. She did a really great show with him. Um, she's just, I, I think she's British royalty, mate. I think she's one of those young actresses, one of those slightly older actresses who's been around for absolutely ages. She's in some classic old films. I think she's in, uh, she's much, is she in Train Spotting? I think she is. I think she might be in Train Spotting, but I remember her back in the day in Hot Fuzz way, as way one back. of the policemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, no, so the first images of her as the Queen have been announced. She'll be playing Queen Elizabeth for seasons three and four. Um, I'm really excited. I, I absolutely love The Crown. I thought it was... I, I tend to lean away from those historical biopics when it comes to films and TV because I kind of get a bit bogged down in the seriousness of them. But I thought that it was um, incredibly well acted the first two seasons. I thought it was very powerful. I thought as a Brit, um, it was very inspiring. Um, and I think it does, it does challenge the concept. There are a lot of people... Uh, our age and older in this country that sort of think, you know, what's the point of a monarchy? Why do we have them? You know, they don't have much purpose and I'm, I'm, I'm waffling here, but it really does kind of challenge those concepts. Yeah. Um, and I think while Claire Foy played a very kind of young, um, not like, yeah, I would say vulnerable queen in the first two seasons, I think Olivia Coleman will kind of step up to the plate as a more assertive, you know, her in her slightly more dominant middle-aged years queen, yep. which will be really exciting to watch. Do you think, um, do, if, if this is going to going on the same idea that season one and two was Claire Foy, season three and four were Olivia Coleman, five and six being, I'm guessing, that an older queen may be talking about Christ, Diana, etc. Christ, maybe Judy Dench or something. Judy Dench, well, Judy Dench, Judy Dench. Judy Dench. But she's Dench. losing her eyesight, isn't she? Because she stepped down as M and she's not in um, she's not in feature length films anymore because of that. No, I know. And she just did that beautiful thing that me and you watched. That's about why six I'm smiling. Ago. It was like an hour long documentary on why Judy, Judy Dench, Dench loves, loves trees. trees. And the then, best and then, documentary you will ever watch. And then it was it was so good that it was fucking copied by the Queen and David Attenborough. They did a special on trees as well. Everyone's jumping on the trees. They're great. Like well, when you have when you have. Judy Dench putting an ear horn to a tree to see if it can talk. And she has like a mini orgasm about how beautiful it sounds. She just can't she stop starts to... crying. She, there's, a, there's a scene in the whole thing where she's, oh, she's the experts talking to her and she just goes over to a tree and just starts touching it. She just can't help herself. No. It's just a fantastic thing. Um, okay, so my next bit of um, film news is actually, again, TV news. Um, Joss Whedon, 
um, who I've actually been calling Josh Whedon for most of my life, um, has a new project called The Nevers um, on HBO. It's I don't I think it's coming next year. So is it superhero based or no? It's sci-fi. So okay, Josh Whedon um, came to popularity to do through the series Firefly. Oh Buffy, yeah, there was that Vampire Slayer. This I think is on the same similar vibes to Buffy. Um, it's it's a uh, Buffy's it's, also getting a reboot. You, sorry, this is not part of our film news. I'm jumping straight. It's the next bit of our it. film news now. <laughs> film TV news. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, but I think there's, you know, I, I should probably not be mentioning this without actually knowing it, but I'm pretty sure I scroll past the fact that Buffy has been teased as a new season. As a season uh, yeah, or as like a film? Yeah, re- like reboot, reboot TV series. Wow. I uh, don't know if it's Netflix, don't know if it's Amazon. Listeners at home, go and find out. Oh, but anyway, Will, back to your uh, no, Josh Whedon worry. story. Um, it's set in Victorian England. Okay. And it's... Um, it's what the what Josh Whedon said. Josh, I said it. Yeah, you, we I, we were talking about this before recording. I knew you were going to say Josh Whedon. Yep. Um, so he has explained it that it's set in Victorian England and it follows a gang of women who find themselves with extraordinary abilities. A gang of women? No, he, I can't he, imagine such a thing. He uses the word "gang of women" um, and they find themselves with extraordinary abilities and fight monsters and etc. But it's kind of Victorian <laughs> Is that sci-fi. The description. Yep, that's the description. A gang of women fight monsters, etc. <laughs> no, that, that's pretty much it. That's it. That's verbatim. Um, no, I'm excited about it. I like yeah. Buffy. I like Any Fire idea on when it's done. out? I think it's some like, time next year. I want to say February 2019, but I'm not fully sure. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. it's, it's a quite exciting news. My, uh, my next bit is for the video game fans out there. For anyone who has played the series of video games, I believe there's four now, the Uncharted series uh, on PS4. Well, PS3, PS4, the the like, the Sony crowd. Um, for those fans, uh, those video games are great. They're always really highly reviewed. They're really exciting action, swashbuckling epics about a treasure hunter called Nathan Drake. Um, they have finally given fans kind of some of the service that they've they've been wanting for a long time. They've been talking about doing a feature-length film, a spin-off, kind of imagine kind of how they spun off the Tomb Raider series with Angelina Jolie and then recently with Alicia Vikander. Um, there's been talk of it for a long time and it's been long assumed that kind of like the the actor hotly tipped to play Nathan Drake in these is Nathan Fillion, the American actor. Um, they haven't announced a film. They haven't announced a feature-length film. However, they have... Nathan Fillion is such a big fan of the video game series that him and his own team have made a 15-minute cinematic tribute to the iconic franchise and they've made their own short film which wow. is uh, absolutely wicked if you even if you're not a fan of the uncharted games even if you never played them go and watch it if anything it's a highly produced short film that gives hollywood kind of the kind of greases the greases the wheels into actually making a full feature length film then this is it's really exciting it's really funny it's got all the charm that the video games has um yeah it's great go and watch it that sounds really good uh, my third bit of film news is um, news from China. Um, China's, okay. China's shout not, out China. Shout out China. Uh, we're covering all the bases today. We're being international. We're doing video games. We're doing TV. We're doing film. Great. Um, so charges ch- charger. China's largest budget own movie. Um, it's called Asura, um, and it's Asura. Set, Asura. Um, it's okay. set or set in Buddhist mythology about a shepherd. Um, it's the biggest um, budget film that China has ever produced as a Chinese independent film, and it has flopped, unfortunately. Really? The film cost 750 million yuan, which is 120, yuan, uh, which is $112 million, and it made less than 50 million yuan in its first week. Jesus. Is there a reason why? Like, why? I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand what, what it's about. But the aim of the film, what is so sad is that the aim of the film was to start this whole sort of Chinese culture mythology stuff as a kind of like a Marvel extended universe of mythology. Okay. So kind of like the idea of the same director and team being behind Immortals versus 300 and that Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. Trying to do all that whole God, God situation. They're trying to do the same in China, but it doesn't look like they're going to do it now. Yeah, man. But I don't know why that is. I know that the Chinese government's very odd about films that come in from US imports. Well, they're very PC about it, aren't they? Like, for example, Avengers wasn't even shown in China. Yeah. And it's become one of the highest grossing films of all time without the second largest film market in the world, which is really impressive. Mm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I suppose it's got to be a combination, hasn't it, of what they're allowed to do in films and then how kind of in tune the audiences to actually be receptive to certain things. Yeah. Because, you know, if if you've not been... This could go two ways. Either if you're shown a film 
which has things in it that you've never seen before. You're either going to be blown away or you're going to be confused and un- uncertain. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happened with this film. I know that it did, I know get, that it did they, get terrible reviews. Yeah. I heard that. It did get yeah, terrible Yeah, well, terrible I mean, reviews. maybe it's just a shit film, mate, maybe regardless it of where it is. <laughs> yeah, but it's so it's so sad that a Chinese independent film that has got that big a budget and that big a scale has just flopped. Yeah. But maybe that is just... Meanwhile, meanwhile, Skyscraper, Dwayne Johnson is also flopping. No. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a good thing. I have a fun fact about that. Go it was on. beaten by Hotel Transylvania 3. Mate, I, I, you know what? There was a trailer for Hotel Transylvania 3 when I watched Incredibles. It looks fun. Yeah. It looks really entertaining. I didn't even realise that that was a film franchise, let alone that they were on the third fucking film. No, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Have you ever seen that before? I've never seen it. I thought it was a TV movie. I think I've seen it on yeah, the TV man, and I, I thought it was like Sky Movies original, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on Sky Skin um, No, I've never seen that, but you know, no. good, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Um, my final bit of film news is uh, kind of just an amalgamation um, Aquaman, the film. We've got some more details on it. So obviously this is starring um, the man himself, Jason Momoa. What a beefcake. Um, we saw him kind of debut his version of Aquaman in the Justice League film, which, you know, it wasn't Avengers. It's not going to be Avengers. It was still relatively entertaining, um, even if it was quite muddled. But, you know, what do we expect now from DC? Yeah. Um, so they've announced that the film is going to come out on December 21st. Um, they've brought out a cool new poster for it, which has like a, Aquaman surrounded by a bunch of, you know, aquatic life, um, which is unsurprising. <laughs> um, and they've released a, Warner Brothers have released a description. So they've said, um, from Warner Bros. Pictures and director James Wan comes an action-packed adventure that spans the vast, visually breathtaking underwater world of the seven seas. Aquaman starring Jason Momoa in the title role. The film reveals the origin story of half-human, half-Atlantean Arthur Curry and takes him on a journey of his lifetime. One that will not only force him to face who he really is, but to dis- but to discover if he is worthy of who he was born to be, a king. Doesn't sound particularly inspiring to me. No, it doesn't sound we'll, that exciting. We'll, we'll see what happens. Do you However, there was this one tiny little detail of the news announcement that like caught my eye, and I was thinking, okay, all right, all right. Um, this one sentence says, "The film is confirmed to include Atlanteans riding seahorses." No. Now, I will probably have a few beers before watching this film. <laughs> and by the time I get into the cinema, I'm sat down. I've maybe heckled a few trailers. Yep. I've probably annoyed you a bit. Yep. I'm eating my popcorn too loudly. I will probably be very, very ready to watch grown people ride seahorses. Well, the, the me- And that might be the saving fucking grace of this film. <laughs> That might be the one thing that kind of turns it around and goes, yeah, you're right. They're, they're, you know, they're doing things. Well, you know, I, they're changing it up. I read this the is ac- something that hasn't been seen before. <laughs> I read the Aquaman comic for years and they really make a, a choice to make Arthur Curry really dark after the 60s orange costume and the green tights, <laughs> yes. which looks ridiculous. Um, but they still ride seahorses, but they're like now armoured seahorses. Have you seen pictures then? Is it? No, no, I've seen, like, I've read comics. I mean, I'm they, imagining they like, wear... I'm imagining these seahorses are going to look like the vehicles in fucking Mad Max. I'm yeah. imagining these seahorses to like, have their own voice and be like, get out the way, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Um, yeah, do man. you know if, um, who the villain is? Is that being confirmed? Uh, oh, I don't know. I tell you what, while you're talking about our next, our final bit of film and TV news, I'll have a little hunt for you. Jake, Jake, I've done my last bit of film and TV news. Oh, wait, shit, have you done three? I've done three. Oh, well, ad-lib, mate. Is ad-lib. there an extra bit of TV well, news? Well, no, okay, I can talk about... I'm I'm going to talk about not one film today in Incredibles 2, but I'm going to talk about two films. Um, and once Jake's talked about this, I'm sure he can join in. When, at your Odeon screening, did they show Bao? Yeah, man. So for anyone who's not quite sure what Will means by Bao, um, it's been so long since I've watched a Pixar film in the cinema that I forgot that they do this. They, they, the same, play, yeah. they, they play you a short, an animated short story from one of their creative departments at the beginning. Um, do you want to give an outline of what I think was an incredibly culturally relevant short story, but also incredibly fucking dark and really, really reminded me of that Munchausen thing that Ari Aster made before he did Hereditary. No, I was thinking the exact... I was, I was yeah? watching the thing. I was you like, were thinking cinema. exactly the same thing, right? Exactly the same thing. Right, after, after, looking at, after looking at Ari Aster and doing Munchausen, essentially the plot is 
um, there is um, they, there is an old married couple. This woman is um, suffering with empty nest syndrome, and they are a Chinese Canadian couple, I think. Um, and she makes dim sum, and she, and she yeah, starts yeah. making she starts making them, and it's beautiful animation. Really, like, this really is lovely. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and she starts making this dim sum, and then she realizes that it's alive. Um, and it's, <laughs> and it's a little, it's a little creature, like a little baby, and it's adorable. And then, so like they do this scene where like they mark it on the wall. It's it's basically a montage of this dim sum growing up as if it was her own child. Yeah, exactly. And and it's um, it's quite a funny. There's loads and loads of funny moments until the fact that the dim sum starts getting older. He starts growing up. He starts wanting to not spend time with his mother, and then gets a and then gets his girlfriend, and then packs his bags. And his mother's like, no, don't leave me. And well, not in words, because it's an animated short. Um, and then she tries to stop, leave, stop him to get, stop him. And then she eats him. And then... To stop after, him from leaving home yep. with his wife, she fucking eats him. It broke me. It, it was it, absolutely it awful. Really, no, it didn't break me. In the cinema that I was in, in the screening I was in, it happened. And then like she eats it and then she's kind of like sobbing on the floor in front of the the front door and it like fades to black. In my screening, a kid started crying. A few parents were like, oh, no, no, no. And then like everyone else in the cinema was just speechless. Wow. It really like, it really like, I, I don't know whether maybe it was a little bit too far. It was all the Incredibles too. But then, the, but then there was a resolution, and then the um, the what actually happens is that the son, who is looking very, very similar to the dim sum. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This must have been designed by like a Japanese or a Chinese artist. Well, team. I have the. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's cultural appropriation because I like to think that Pixar is beyond that, and it almost definitely isn't. But I was there thinking that some of the art, like some of the artistry, some of the, the design of the characters, was playing quite heavily into stereotypes. Yeah. Well the, well, the whole team was um, Chinese, um, I, I think. Uh, Chinese, okay. ja- Chinese right. Japanese, Oriental. Um, that sounds really bad. But no, um, and so the director is a person called Domi Shi. And yeah. it's the first woman to ever direct a Pixar short, which I thought was interesting in terms of the plot lines of Incredibles 2, yeah. where Elastigirl is the main protagonist. I thought they were making another, yeah. a, a, another statement about women at, at being at the, the forefront of films. Yeah, interesting. Do you have those at that Aquaman? Yeah, man. Uh, for anyone who actually still gives a shit after that, <laughs> um, there are two villains in the Aquaman film. There is Ocean Aquaman's half brother Orm, you know, Ocean. Yeah, that's it, Ocean Master, and also Black Manta, who is being played by David Hyde, who has been in a bunch of different things, none of which I can tell you about <laughs> right now. If they do Black Manta right. It's the, it could be the really, really Black cool. Black Manta is essentially a bounty hunter, like Boba Fett. He's like the Boba he looks, Fett. I'll tell you what, I'm DC looking at comics. a picture right now and he does look like Boba Fett. He's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a human that's just like got all these contraptions and he's Aquaman's. That would be great. If they okay. use him correctly, it'll be good. Um, so, Incredibles 2. Yeah, man. What is So, what are your positive thoughts? What are your negative thoughts? Do you want to go through the movie at all? Okay. Well, give a brief plot synopsis. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to go through it kind of scene by scene. I think... Most people will watch this film. It's also quite a straightforward film to watch. Um, I've been waiting a long time for this. I I think that I was very apprehensive going into it because I thought the trailers fell a bit flat for me. I didn't think they had that flair. I didn't think they were very exciting. And I think that they were showing quite big signs of age. I don't think they felt very current. And I think if it was... I remember watching the trailers and thinking if this was coming out two or three years after the first Incredibles, then yeah, it would be really in its element. But now has too much, you know, in the 14 years since the first Incredibles film, we've had an absolute wealth of superhero like films. Yeah. Um, is it missing its mark? And well, so that was what I was worried about. Yep. Can I just quickly interrupt before you give your opening thoughts? Um, Brad Bird has talked about this. He's talked about the fact that, um, he, that we live in a new time where superhero films are, have become the norm. And what he said, this is, this is actually direct quotes this time, I don't think that kind of idea stays interesting for a very long time. For me, the interesting thing was never the superhero part of it. It was more of the family dynamic and how do superhero things play into that. And he said that he wanted to include some unused ideas that didn't fit in the first film. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I agree. I think... The focus of the Incredibles film originally was was about kind of like 
real life people struggling with the superhero dynamic. Um, it's not a straightforward superhero story, mm. but I just think that it, you know, I was nervous. I think that the, it, the this film does pick up directly after the, the the end of the events of the first film. Yeah. And I think that that was all kind of a blessing and a curse. I think on the one hand, it was nice because you got that kind of like feeling of tying up loose ends um, and not feeling like it was kind of just rushed over after all this time. But then equally, I think that the first 20, 30 minutes or so before the plot kind of got into full swing for me were a bit slow. They weren't very charismatic. It wasn't very interesting. Yeah. So I was, you know, getting into the first half an hour of the film, I was thinking like, oh God, is this going to be a bit flat? Um, I ended up being pleasantly surprised. I thought that by the end of the film, I thought that it was really well paced. Yep. I thought it was, it was a very predictable but interesting plot. It had some great voice actors in it, namely the guy Bob Odenkirk, who voices uh, Saul Goodman in... Yes. Uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I thought uh, I love his voice. I think he is an amazing voice actor. I th sometimes I think that he should actually be playing BoJack Horseman instead of uh, Will Arnett. Arnett. Um, I know that he was in the running for it and then didn't get it in the end. Um, yeah, so that was a really pleasant surprise. He plays the eccentric billionaire that wants to make superheroes legal again. Um, I thought that it was. I, I thought it was very predictable. I thought that the uh, the feminist storyline in it of kind of essentially they like this this character wants to bring superheroes back into the limelight and he thinks that their best foot forward to doing so is getting Elastigirl into the limelight before Frozone and Mr. Incredible. I think that while that was cool, I don't think that it really had the same kind of feminist punch that I think they they intended it to. I think it kind of just for me ended up sort of feeling like, oh, the rich eccentric guy thinks that the woman who is most presentable is going to be the one to bring superheroes back into the limelight. And I just didn't feel like it had the, the sense of kind of feminist purpose that I think the film was trying to suggest it had. Yeah, I, 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 I think the most compelling things, although I think the film is visually beautiful with a fantastic stunning. score. Yeah, really, stunning. really stunning. Really great score. Yeah. I'm assuming it's the same guy who did the previous one. Yeah. Um, I found, as you were saying, I found Elastigirl's story in the whole thing much less interesting. Um, than in, Bob being at home with the kids. Than Bob being at home with the kids. And yeah. I think that was supposed to be I thought it around. would be the other way around. Yeah, I thought the Elastigirl stuff would be really, really interesting and nuanced and a good plot. Like almost like an espionage plot. I was yeah, expecting. yeah, yeah. Um, but... Uh, the 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 scene the scene the scene stealer sorry um, screen stealer screen scene stealer screen stealer are we talking about the villain no I'm talking about Jack Jack oh shit so we're not sorry we we're not talking about the screen stealer the villain of oh. the film <laughs> we're we're talking about the the scene stealer of the film in general <laughs> yes 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 that's what I meant sorry yeah man, that, sorry that, I got oh, so gosh. confused there. Yeah, that, that's it's a it's oh dear mate, but no, Jack Jack is Jack Jack. Obviously, in the first film, you discover he has powers for the right first at time, the end, right at the end, which is a pleasant surprise. Then there's a um, animated short that Disney did a couple of years ago called Jack um, Jack Jack's Attack or something. I didn't know that. No, it's um, I watched it um, for this. Very very entertaining. Um, and then um, he in this film is fantastic. There is a scene about 40, 40 45 minutes in where um, uh, where um, what's the name of Mr. Incredible Bob? Bob. Bob. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bob Parr. Bob Parr realizes that Jack Jack has powers, and it's when a raccoon and Jack Jack fight. It's and one it's of the. I think it's one of the best so animated funny. scenes I think I've ever seen. It's, it's so it's funny. Absolute, think like over the hedge, but like thrown into the Incredibles yep. universe. It's really, really good. I think it does what the Minions and Despicable Me me do for that film. And I think yeah, Jack, yeah, Jack yeah. for the Incredibles did it. Did yeah, that. I think it. Yeah, would, I, it's like it's completely. just like. Slapstick, silent humour, and it's fantastic. Yeah, I think that, yeah, Jack-Jack, without a doubt, is the, the highlight of the film. Yeah. I think that Bob and Helen, Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, have a good plot. Um, it's nothing groundbreaking. 
I think Bob and the whole kind of like stay at home, reluctant stay at home dad storyline was a lot more entertaining than it looked from the trailers. Yep. I found myself really, really enjoying those bits and him like trying to reconnect with the kids uh, much more than I thought I would. Um, I thought that there wasn't enough Frozone for me. There was not um, enough Frozone. He, he kind of came into his own a bit at the end. At the beginning, he was really like, his bits at the beginning of the film were just really boring. Um, I also think that Violet and Dash were no way near as charismatic as they were in the original film. I think that while it was kind of towards the end of the film, they kind of came into their own a little bit when they get onto the ship to rescue their parents. I think, you know, they, they came into their own a little bit. I just don't think it was enough. I didn't find them very interesting characters. I found Violet quite annoying. And I found Dash didn't have that same charm he had in the original. I just thought it was a bit of a snotty brat. I looked at, I, I slightly disagree in terms of Dash, but I agree with you in, in general. They had, a, their roles in the film were much, much more They were reduced. relegated a bit. They were relegated yeah, yeah. for the storyline with um, Elastigirl and Bob. Um, and that's fine. Yes, Storm. Hello. Um, sorry, that was that for was it, we were, for anyone for people, who was interested in what that was. I've offered Will a glass of wine, and he just knocked his microphone onto the floor. I cannot wait for the moment where someone's going to skip like some skip wax into our podcast, and I'm just going to go, "Ooh, hello, ooh, hello." <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, um, I thought Dash Dash became a sort of witty one-liner character. He yeah, be, he had no storyline really. No, but he was he was apart from will he do his maths homework. Um, yeah that was they, it they really like they hammered that fucking shit home yeah they really did um, but that was it That apart from that he had witty one-liners and he did silly things and I enjoyed that to a certain extent and I thought he was well written I just think they could have fleshed out the children's lives more yeah because definitely it, it definitely in the first Incredibles film it felt like all four well all five members of that family maybe apart from Jack Jack um, had real proper storylines um, Jack with um, Dash not getting into trouble at school with Violet and the boy, which continues in, in number two, but it, to a much less satisfying extent. Um, and so everyone was more equally equally weighted. This time, it definitely does focus on the parents and Jack Jack, and and those are the three yeah, sort of main, yeah, I agree. The main storylines that we follow throughout the film. One thing that this film did that I enjoyed that it didn't quite do in the first film was it introduced a load of other new supers. It never calls them superheroes. It calls them supers, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, someone might disagree with me there, but I feel like all the way through they refer to themselves as we're supers, Bob, and like stuff like that. Yeah, you're but, right. But um, they have, they, they come into collision with a load of other superhero or super ability characters in this film. And sort of the final act kind of culminates in them sort of fighting them when all these superheroes have been possessed with these kind of mind control goggles. And that is really cool. Yeah. Like there's there's a bunch of really funny. I I I always think that superhero films thrive when you just throw into the melting pot a load of different characters with different abilities. They don't have to be fleshed out. They just have to fill a really awesome fight sequence. Exactly. And these characters were all quite interesting. Um, they're all quite funny. Um, they're all very different and unique. They you know they are a retreading of superhero territory, but some of them are kind of. Uh, an interesting enough twist on kind of the regular superpowers you can think like of. Like a pastiche, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's one who kind of looks like a caricature of Hercules, which is really entertaining. And there's, I thought one of the funniest moments in the film, I was laughing out loud, I don't think many other people were, was this bit where Mr. Incredible is like running in like the corridor of this ship underground and he's trying to get through and then this other telekinesis kind of superhero like uses his powers to smash all of like the the piping on the side of the wall to crush Mr. Incredible's pathway and stop him from getting through and he knocks this guy over and he's like he kind of he takes the mind control goggles off him he's like look can you like uncrush this shit like has anyone ever asked you to uncrush something and this guy's like why would I uncrush something like all I do is crush. <laughs> can, you, can you not unpunch something? It was good. No, 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 what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it sounds crap when we explain it like that, but it was really funny. Um, and it, <laughs> it was, it, it was just, it was just cool to have a bunch of other superheroes in it. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I thought, I thought it was really, really nice to have a bunch of other superheroes in it. Um, I do miss the underminer. I will say that. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but did they ever catch him? 
No. No. Which is they didn't catch it. What I kind of want the Underminer to be, and this sounds if there's gonna be a if there's gonna be a trilogy to Incredibles, there's gonna be more films, which um I think he's talked about of um he's he he said that I think he'll struggle to not be pressured to do a third one now. Yeah, well he, sa- he said that because so interestingly, Toy Story Four was supposed to come out a year. Uh, so Toy Story Four was supposed to come out instead of Incredibles Two, and right, okay. they switched. So they had a year's a year. So it's Toy Story Four on its way out it's next year, same time. Because I thought Toy Story Three was the end of it. No, I was. I'm, I'm going confused. Rashida Jones is writing Toy Story Four, which that's, I find that's, wow bizarre. But it's yeah, she's I think writing she, it. I, 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 maybe co co writing, but she definitely has a production. Um, definitely is either writing or co writing. I mean, that is a that is a big role I know but especially for yeah. all the nostalgia good anyway. for her especially considering she was she had a fucking shit role in tag <laughs> she was fucking rubbish in that film probably not not for lack of her trying just for you know being a slave to the script you but. are going in today with insulting Matthew McConaughey Catherine Kennedy yeah, and Arashida man, I just think, you know what like it's the summertime and there should be better films in the cinema and I think that some of the things that we've been watching recently could had a lot of potential and could have been better yeah. So it's time to be critical. No, I agree. And we've always said we're critical in this podcast. Yeah, so let's man. continue being so. Yeah, man, absolutely. But no, yeah. Um, so <laughs> someone out there's gonna be like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they'd do that every week. Um, no, yeah, so that the the timing schedules for when the films are gonna come out shifted. So Incredibles did not have had a year less of post-production time. So what the director said is that I wanted to tie up a lot more of the loose ends that I wanted to do in Incredible at the end of Incredibles two. Okay, that I had the time to do, so there could be an Incredibles three. And right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he said the same thing fourteen years ago, and so who knows when the next one's going to be yeah, out? Yeah, man, we'll but see, we'll see. I want the Underminer. as a person who played the PS two game Rise you of the want Underminer. The, you want more Underminer development, and also the guy who plays the Underminer is the same guy that plays the piggy bank in Toy Story. Really. He, he, He's the actor. God, Will with his film knowledge. I know, love, love, love a fact. I couldn't um, do this on my own, could I? <laughs> All the interesting shit comes from you. No, people right. just tune in to hear Jake go. I like this. I don't like this. And Will's like, actually, this was developed by such and such well, in uh, circa 1998. Well, fun fact number number 28. Um, the the, um, the 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 guy John Ratzinger who plays the piggy bank is is in every single Pixar film. Wow, he's the, the he's Mac in. Um, Cars, cars. Um, I've never trilogy. watched. I've never. I hold my hands up. I've cars. never watched a Cars film. I watched the first one. Haven't watched. Never that. appealed to me. It's when I struggled what's with. The, a, what's the the main character called? Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. Yeah, it's ridiculous. good. No, it's good. I, if I'm honest, I like Cars, and I think that's the reason. But also, Jeremy Clarkson's got a cameo. And I, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. he's got a cameo as like the manager, but he's just like an answer phone. Um, so and it ha- makes me happy. One, all right. One, one question I'll pose to you, which I, I just thought of on the spot. I was trying to think about how you know how good this film is when you balance the fact that it's taken so long to come out. The only other kind of Pixar comparison. Oh no, maybe it's DreamWorks. Maybe I'm falling on my own sword. But what I was going to suggest was one of the other hugely popular kids animated films that had quite a long pause before a sequel came out was Monsters, Inc. And years later, they, they brought out Monsters, Inc. University. Now, I don't know if you've watched it. I've watched it. You have watched it. I watched okay, it cool. cinema, yeah. I watched Monsters, Inc. University and thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought that it was it was really, really funny. I thought that it did enough. It, did, it went beyond what it needed to do in terms of changing up the plot so that it wasn't just a retread of the same territory. How do you think Incredibles Two compares to Monster University? If we're talking about like kids' films that have been rebooted years later, um, well, for a start, I, I I was smiling throughout that thing because I watched it at the cinema and I really struggled with Monsters University. Um, I can't really remember why now. I maybe just been a gut reaction at the time. Um, I I was never the I was never the biggest fan of the original Monster Inc. Even though I'd seen it lots of times, it used to scare me as a kid. Yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. that was just um, resonance from that. Um, I look at Incredibles 2 very much in a similar way to this, and this sounds like a stretch, but it's not, I promise. Um, I look at Incredibles 2 to Incredibles 1 in the same way I look at A New Hope to The Force Awakens. I think that they are are retreading pretty much all the same plot points. There's There's a corporation 
that hires one of the incredible parents. That is clearly foreshad- like heavy foreshadowing right from the start of the film. Yeah, there has- There's no doubt about who the real villain is. Yeah, there's not really any doubt about who the real villain is. Um, and that's similar, similar in ish into the first Incredibles. However, I feel that was more of a reveal in the first Incredibles film. Um, and, but I still enjoyed it as a film, even though it retreads pretty much the same kind of idea of the family split up, then the family, then the family coming back together. Um, the fam of the family um, having like the kids having to save the parents at some points, like a lot of the same kind of things continue. Um, and I enjoyed Incredibles two a lot, but I don't think it can in any way live up to the original. In yeah, the same no, way I that agree. Force, Awa- Force I Awakens think, can't I, live I, up to New Hope. Yeah, I agree. I think that it, um, if if so much time hadn't passed, I think it could have done. I think that it could have been better than the first film. But I think that audiences aren't receptive to the same plot points that Brad Bird is writing. Essentially, like, I I think that he probably, like, had the outline, the shell of this plot about 10, 11 years For ago. For years, yeah. Yeah. And I think it shows. I think that he was trying to work out the finites to kind of the the specific little bits that were going to tie it all together into a, a feature-length film for quite a few years. But I think that he knew he wanted to do a people being brainwashed by a TV screen plot mm. and, and have a strong feminine character take up the helm. I think he knew he wanted to do that the whole time. And I think that that is to its detriment. I think that it did suffer because of that. Um, but I thought it was enjoyable. I thought that if you break it down into its components, I think it had some of the funniest moments I've seen in animated films. Yeah. But I think as a kind of like as, as a as a full as a sum of all of its parts, I thought it was okay. Okay, that makes sense. Should we do our critic quote awards? Yeah, I'm happy to do the critic quote. So, what was your uh, what do you think was the best description of the film? Um, I I I'm looking at my best description. Um, um, and I was, and I, I, as I came out of the cinema, I wrote this. And now I've kind of changed my mind. I don't think it's okay. as clever as this. But I think this is an interesting thing to talk about. People change their minds. Mm-hmm. We'll go with it. Um, so what, my, what was my best description was Michael O'Sullivan from the Washington Post, who said, perhaps, perhaps most intriguingly, Incredibles 2 is both pop culture eye candy and a sly critique of it. I don't think it, at this point now it's a sly critique of it. However, I do think it's pop culture um, eye candy. If that makes sense, yeah, I get you. I, I get think you. I think that the aesthetic of it, the music of it, um, is very reminiscent of like the early sort of the Batman nineteen sixties films. I think yeah, people yeah, yeah. like people who are not maybe wanting as much as of a plot and who are families and not doing a podcast about it are going to go into it and think, "Wow, we've got back action, we've got fun, we've got a parent story for the parents, we've got a kid story for the kids." Flicks, yeah, exactly. And so I think. That makes sense. Sly critique of it. Now looking back on it, I thought I probably maybe thought when I came out of it was that it was more profound than I actually imagined. But maybe that was just bow. <laughs> so maybe maybe you think that it's not going to stick in your mind as much as you were thinking it would as you left the Essentially, cinema. I thought All I right, thought it was yeah, more yeah. profound than I thought. I think that's was, yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. Yep. Um, so my best description is from Matthew Rosa at salon.com, which I thought was a a hairdressing website until I actually looked it up and realised it's a film and oh, TV you website. Salon.com. That yeah. was my original best description. Oh, bro, no I way. Know. No way. We're I so know. in sync. Hashtag <laughs> um, content. Anyway. So um, he said, do you remember when superhero movies were light-hearted popcorn fare instead of overwrought epics? The Incredibles 2, which is absolutely delightful, recalls that time. I think that's fair. I think that it... Um, Yes, it has some shortcomings, but I also think that nowadays we're a more critical audience. Yep. I think that it is an easy-to-watch film. It's satisfying. It's well-paced. It is genuinely laugh-out-loud funny. Um, and, you know, we, we're 22. We're not the target audience for this film anymore, as much as we wish we were. I think that if you take away our perspective and you apply the perspective of the younger generation going to watch this film like we were when we watched in, the original Incredibles... I think that it's probably a lot better than we think it is. Is that... I I completely agree with you, but I also think Toy Story, um, the Toy Story trilogy as a, a, has done... It's 
especially three, did an incredible job of paying service to the fans who've stuck throughout. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I remember the exact age I was when I watched The Incredibles and I was young. And I don't, as an adult now, I feel satisfied that I've laughed and I've had a good time watching the film, but I don't feel the same nostalgia um, that I do feel with Toy Story 3. Yeah, which okay. Which is odd All for right. me because I'm a, su- I'm a big superhero fan. Incredibles was one of my favorite films when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. Same. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's savage. your most savage quote? Um, it's from Mike LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, I love the San Francisco Chronicle. They're always, we've so, had, they're always so savage. I feel like we've had them like three or four times. Yeah, I know. I, I, I quite Aren't like they the them. ones that called Solo a quarterly earnings report in a vest and leather, leather boots? I think you might be right. Yeah, well, they were. Well, listeners, go back and find out. Um, <laughs> There's a bonus prize. <laughs> <laughs> um, whatever the intention, Incredibles 2 plays out as the worst of both worlds a combination of the typical weaknesses of both animated and live-action superhero films with few of the strengths. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I think I, I, I think it's relatively fair enough for a savage quote. I think quote. it's relatively fair enough, fair um, enough. But, it's a bit, but yeah, I didn't find many quotes that were too savage. Rotten no, neither, Tomatoes, neither, neither. I yeah. think maybe we need to reassess our quote award categories because when they're really good films, we're struggling to find particularly savage things. Yeah. Definitely like funniest quote. Um, we are struggling with. I, I've got my savage quote is from Owen Gleiberman of Variety, uh, which I don't rate as a reviewing source, but then maybe that's why I've picked it for the savage quote. Um, Just add it to Jake's said, list. He said, what was organic and even obsessive in the first outing comes off as pat and elaborate formula here. I think that he's got a point. I think what was so fresh and exciting about the first one is done to death in the second one. Okay, okay. I can understand what you're coming from with that. Do you have a funny quote? Because I don't really think mine's particularly funny. Um, let's look how funny this is. Um, as, as soon as you said that, I then... Maybe I we should add like a laughter track to the podcast just so that people can think, this oh is, yeah, this is actually funny. This is, okay, this is kind of funny. Go on then. Um, Moira McDonald from the Seattle Times. Um, here's hoping they're back again soon. I can't wait to meet Jack Jack's unlucky preschool teacher. <laughs> that's so shit. Isn't it? It's a joke that you get in a cracker. That's like that's like um, when your mum secretly tells you that she's going to try stand-up comedy. <laughs> Has your mum done that to you before? No, no, she hasn't. <laughs> but like, I can imagine that being the kind of joke she'd tell. No, yeah, I can see <laughs> Shout that. Shout out, mum. Uh, funniest quote for me isn't particularly funny it's Ryan Gilbert from the New Statesman he said more disappointing than the lack of inspiration here is the taint of corporate bias a studio that has billions of dollars worth of skin in the game of flogging sequels merchandise and theme parks is in no position to issue moral instruction and I think that you know I suppose this film I don't think it's trying to have a message for the current generation but I think that without trying, there is sort of a message for the modern generation about kind of get off screens, stop being so absorbed by them. Yep. Um, and I do get his point. I think that, you know, a, a conglomerate doesn't really have a right to say that when they're capitalizing off it. Yep. But I think that Ryan Gilbert is maybe taking this a little bit too far. I can see I think that. Maybe he needs to go home, have a couple of beers watch catch up on the crown because olivia coleman's gonna kill it in season three <laughs> uh, you know while I think, you do I think it watch to, china's largest needs... flop you sure it's probably gonna be on, on yeah, dvd mate. soon yeah i go and watch the jack jack short story which i'm now really keen to watch because will's Bow. watched it and i haven't which makes me jealous <laughs> <laughs> so angry at you right now um yeah man okay what would you what would you rate incredibles 2 out of 10 Uh, oh, it's gonna... a hard one, isn't it? Because I came in, I came out of the cinema thinking this is an eight point five. Now it's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm thinking. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna review it as a seven. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten as well. Yeah, I think that it's good. It's not great. It tied up enough for me to keep me satisfied. I am not in a rush to go and watch another Incredibles film. I I had a I had a lovely time. I watched it with my friend Ian this morning. Um and me and him had a blast. We were laughing at all all the time to it. And I don't know if that was just part of our friendship or et cetera, but like we were just having a great time during it. However, in the hours subsequent to it, I was like, I, I understood I was laughing at the film. However, 
I don't I I don't feel the same emotions that I felt in yeah. Toy Story Three. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. feel like, and I really felt like Incredibles was a, was such an amazing film for my childhood. I should feel more nostalgia. I yeah, think it's should. a great film, but for what it should mean to me, it has it doesn't d- deliver like, yeah. everything. If that makes See, sense. I'm I'm going to watch it again this coming weekend. So I'm curious to know how I will feel after a second sitting. Yep. Maybe I'll come back to the podcast next week and sort of be like, you know what? Fuck you, Will. It's gone from a seven to a nine. Um, or you might go, fuck you, Will. It's gone from a seven to a four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the consistent exactly. is fuck no, you. No, 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 mate. Well, 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 <laughs> it, it can't be worse than Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> no, no. Did we rate that highly now? I, no, that... I think we gave it like a 5.5 okay, or something. Good. Okay, good. You know, hopefully someone can like tweet us and let us know. <laughs> we're so big-headed that we can't be asked to go our own podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, that's What's fine. more arrogant? Expecting people to go back through your podcast and figure out what you reviewed an episode or being so self-indulgent that you go back through your own podcast to find your own rating? I think both are pretty terrible. I think we just need, need to pull the plug, mate. I think we need to switch off for this week. You can't be saying this at week eight, Jake. <laughs> oh, week eight's too early for this kind of profanity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Right, okay. So 7 out of 10 for Incredibles 2. Um, yep. I think that was relatively spoiler-free. I don't think we really talked in great specifics about the plot of the film, which means I think, you know what? I'm going to say, fuck it. We're just going to say this is a spoiler-free review No, well. I think you're right. We, there is, we've said that there is a twist and we've said that the twist is quite obvious. We've not said what the twist is. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't really revealed anything key about the film. Um, I don't know whether maybe that's going to become a thing. I don't know whether maybe you think that uh, more people are keen to tune in if we do a spoiler-free. We're clearly showing that we can do it. We've done it two weeks in a row now. I think it depends on what on where the discussion takes us. Yeah, completely. And I think I think if if there is a thing that is so complex and in, and complex and in depth with plot, we're going to need to talk about the plot. Yes. Yeah. Um, and for example, for the solo po- solo podcast, um, I'm not going to because it's a spoiler-free podcast this week. I'm not going to say what happens in the solo film, but the big twist in that film we need to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I we get you. I get you. I think it, we're going to have to review it on a film by film basis. Um, in terms of next week, next week's episode, um, Mamma Mia Two comes out this week. Now, I'm keen to watch it. I haven't seen the the first Mamma Mia. You have not I'm seen a, the first I'm, Mamma I'm, Mia. I'm a Mamma Mia virgin, and I'm not particularly interested in Abba's music. So Jake I think that this is going to be um, it's going to be an experience. I'm looking forward to it. Um, hopefully, my girlfriend Olivia will be joining the podcast for the week because she is a huge Mamma Mia fan. Um, it so was so nice to talk yeah, to her yeah, about man. it. So yeah. ho- hopefully, next weekend when we record this one, we'll have a third mic set up. We'll have Olivia on the show, who will be our first guest, which is really exciting. Yay! Um, it's going to be really unexciting when we actually realise that Ollie's got better things to be doing with her weekend and we just do it, the two of us. I also worry that she is, that she is going to be a lot better on the microphone than us and oh, say more interesting great. things. She's going to start her own podcast off the back of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but happy. yeah, no, so Mamma Mia 2 next week. Um, maybe we should actually do a bit of a sing-along on the podcast next week. I'm thinking in keeping with Mamma Mia 2, maybe we should do a sing-song. Maybe we should do some kind of interactive feature for the podcast next week. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm people a people mu- aren't expect. Well, they are expecting it now. I'm a musical theatre kid. I'm not complaining. I mean, the yeah. first, the first Mamma Mia film made me cry, so I'm so excited. Twice, yeah, man. Twice. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning about it. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, and that is us for this week. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Um, as always, keep an eye out for us on Instagram. Uh, if you aren't following us on Spotify already, Spotify is our main platform now. We, yep. We're still really excited about the fact that we're on there. So please follow us on Spotify because that's probably the best place to keep up to date. Also on iTunes if you're on there. Um, and we will see you next week. Thank, Thank you, very, you much. very much. Bye. <laughs>